0: This is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball.
1: welcome back to home court live on tsn 1050 toronto as we roll into the second hour kayla gray here with you with dwayne watson and josh lewinberg all right the raptors looking for their fourth straight victory coming off that win against the knicks on friday night so they host the wizards tomorrow joining us on the line now chase hughes wizards beat reporter of nbc washington now chase John Wall held to nothing until the last five minutes or so in the fourth quarter. What was going on with his night? And I know that he had said that there was some knee problems there. What was slowing him down?
2: Yeah, it was one of the worst games I've ever seen John Wall play. So it made a lot of sense afterwards to hear that there was a specific explanation as to why. Uh, John Wall has been dealing with a bunch of minor injuries recently a sprained left shoulder, a sprained ankle. Last weekend, he was sick and had migraine and uh, missed a shoot-around and almost missed a game. So when he was sick, the Wizards training staff gave him two IVs uh, just to keep him hydrated and give him the energy to play. Well, over the last week, those IVs haven't settled correctly in his body, and the fluid has collected in his left knee. And last night, he had very little mobility. So He couldn't get out on the fast break. The Miami Heat deserve some credit because they're a good defensive team, but it wasn't the same John Wall that we're used to seeing. So he's got fluid in his knee. It's not a serious injury, obviously, but it begs the question of what the Wizards will do because it's bad timing that they have their first back-to-back set. Not only do they have the Raptors tomorrow, but they play the Milwaukee Bucks on Monday, and obviously those are two very good teams.
0: Do you expect him to play tomorrow in Toronto, Chase, and if he can't, What's the backup plan for the Wiz?
2: Yeah, at this point, if I had to guess, I would say that he's going to miss one of those two games. Um, now the question is, which one do they want to hold him out of if they decide to do that? You know, they do have the win against Toronto, and if you're looking at the season series, uh, that's important. Uh, it you know, determines playoff tiebreakers and that sort of thing. Um, Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, both teams are very good. Both have very good point guards. But it's not going to be easy for John Wall. Um, If they have to go without John Wall, you know, the the one game he did miss this season was ironically against Toronto, at Toronto. And Tim Frazier, their backup point guard, played pretty well in that. Thomas Sadoransky is another backup point guard they have. But as you saw in that game, if they don't go with John Wall, then you'll actually see Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, their starting shooting guard and starting small forward, uh, bring the ball up and play some point guard. So they do have some options, and it is early in the season, so you could argue that it would be smart to hold them out of one of these games. But which one? It's unclear which they would do that if if they decide to hold them out.
3: Chase, okay, so obviously, the Wizards got a great backcourt in Wall and Beal, and the starting five is solid. I think one of the Achilles' heel for these guys has been their depth. Aside from like Kelly Oubre Jr., um, what what happens to the second unit for these guys in terms of what do they need to do to kind of be that team in the Eastern Conference in the conversation, based on not having much more beyond the starting five?
2: Yeah, their bench has been a problem for several years, and it's still been a work in progress uh this season you know one guy who stands out who hasn't been playing very well is Jan Mahinmi a guy who last summer they gave a four-year 64 million dollar contract to um he's been playing and getting a lot of minutes and hasn't been playing very well and defense has been a problem for them and that's what he's supposed to help with and you know it's been a a big debate among fans and you know Scott Brooks their head coach has even talked about trying to get Jason Smith Uh, more playing time. We saw him last night and he provided a nice spark off their bench, helped them come back against the Miami Heat. But he doesn't make nearly as much money as Jan Mahinmi, so people are wondering, you know, is is Mahinmi only playing because of his contract? He has a good track record uh, in the NBA. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy or be consistent for the Wizards. You know, Tim Frazier, their backup point guard's had his moments. Um, You know, Mike Scott is a guy who is kind of a reclamation project. Same with Jody Meeks. They've been okay, specifically on offense. Kelly Oubre is really the best player on their defense. Uh, you know, it was a first-round pick in 2015. Very good defensive player, and now is coming into his own offensively. So it's not a consistent unit, but there are some nights where they can really help them win.
0: Chase, when we last saw the Wizards here in Toronto, they were a uh, four-and-four team at least coming in, but they've been on a bit of a roll since then with the uh, loss to Miami uh, on Friday as the. Uh, exception. Uh, what have you seen over that stretch? What's really stood out in terms of what the Wizards are doing well? Yeah, so you've seen a big
2: difference in the Wizards over the last five games. They started out 5-5, uh, five and five, and that was just a terrible situation for a team with high expectations. Um, there were some really strong words said by the team about their defensive performance in particular, um, and in the five games since, they've really clamped down defensively. They haven't played You know, the best competition it has been against teams like the Kings and Hawks. But they've held opponents in the last five games to under 100 points. And now if you look at their defensive rating and opponent points per game, they're in the top ten in the NBA. And you know they're a very good offensive team. Last year uh, they were top five in points scored. So it really comes down to defense for them. And lately they've been locking that down. Um, Early in the season they were really bad at letting teams get into the paint and shoot a really high percentage uh, around the rim. And I think John Wall and Bradley Beal in particular have done a good job of stopping the ball at the perimeter and making it a little bit easier on their front court, not having to deal with guys who are coming at them with a full head of steam. So it really comes down to John Wall and Bradley Beal. They're the straws that stir the drink, and you know certainly that's a question right now because John Wall doesn't have a whole lot of mobility. And if you're going up against a guy like Kyle Lowry, uh, certainly you're going to be able to need to move around pretty well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Kyle Lowry tossed pretty quickly in the last time, the last game that these two teams, uh, met up with those early, that early ejection. You're listening to home court on TSN 1050, uh, Wizards beat reporter Chase Hughes joining us from NBC, Washington. Well, Chase, you know, you talked about John Wall and it, it seems as though the hundred percent with him in terms of health hasn't really been the case so far early in this season. Uh, but then as Dwayne touched on it, the bench, a huge question mark with that. Can this group afford to rest a guy like John for for an extended amount of time, the way that Cleveland has been able to do with, with LeBron or, or, or other players as well? Can th- this group afford to sort of get John Wall back to where he's accustomed to being so that he can be the all-star point guard that he is?
2: I don't think so. I mean, he's their best player, and he's, uh, you know obviously has a, makes a huge impact on both sides of the floor. They did get away with uh, a win in Toronto, as you mentioned with a complete gift that Kyle Lowry got ejected uh, in the second quarter. But backup point guard has been a problem for this team for a while, and I don't think it's completely solved at this point. They traded a second-round pick uh, on the night before the draft for Tim Frazier, and he's a pretty good player. I mean, he's a good passer, not a very good shooter, um, not the best defensive player, but... He's an upgrade from what they had last year, but that's not saying much because they had to go out and sign Brandon Jennings off the street, a guy who is now in <laughs> China. So John Wall is their best player. They don't have a whole lot of depth behind them, so I would be really concerned if they have to play without him for an extended stretch. I think then you would see Bradley Beal have to play even more minutes than he's playing right now um, and have to take on some of the responsibilities as a ball handler and running the offense. Now, I think he's capable of that. The Wizards really like... Uh, his development in that regard. But, you know, he's better coming off screens and shooting threes. So it would change a lot of things for them because this team is entirely built around John Wall. I think almost as much as any team in the NBA, they're centered around uh, John Wall. He's, he's got a very high usage rate, of course. He's always got the ball in his hands. He, he pushes the pace. He's one of the best passers in the NBA. So he would be a huge loss, even if it's for just a few games.
3: Chase, I don't think the East reflects uh, what it's going to look like in April right now. Obviously, you know, Boston and Cleveland are going to be there. Uh, Washington, of course. But which team would continue more in the playoffs, the Raptors or the Bucks?
2: Oh, you know, I, I think a lot of people were sleeping on the Raptors this year because uh, I noticed their record with Sergio Bach after they traded for him. It was really good last season. But Giannis Antetokounmpo is taking his game to levels uh that, that might put him in the MVP conversation. So, um, And th- their trade for Eric Bledsoe, I think, makes them really dangerous. I, I, in terms of the Wizards, if you're asking me from their perspective, I think the Bucks would probably scare them a little bit more just because Giannis, when he's on, there's no one that can match up with them. And, and you know, they've proven that they can play pretty well against the Raptors. You know, they matched up in the playoffs a few years. That's that's a tough call because they had a great playoff series last year, but I, I think I would go to the Bucks. Sorry to disappoint you guys and those out there in Toronto.
0: <laughs> no, I don't blame
1: you. Yeah, we're not disappointed. And, I mean, once Giannis starts to shoot that three and th- shoot it well, that's going to be the scariest thing ever. But thanks so much, Chase, for joining us again as the Raptors get set to take on the Wizards tomorrow. You're listening to TSN 1050. Home court continues after these messages.
0: It's time for Home Court Contested Shots on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball.
1: Home Court continues right here on TSN 1050. I'm Kayla Gray, joined by Dwayne Watson and Josh Lumberger. I'm joining because they're so kind to ha- let me come in and fill in for Miss Megan, who has the call right now for Raptors 905. Thanks for having me here, you're guys. are always
3: welcome, Kella.
1: Thanks, guys. Well, coming up at 2.30, we will hear from Basketball Canada Basketball's President and CEO, Michelle O'Keefe, who will talk to us about the action happening in Halifax. We saw her last week um, with R.J. Barrett and his announcement to go to Duke. And, you know, when you're talking about young guys coming into the league as, as we think that R.J. is going to be a one-and-done dude... We look to Lonzo Ball. Of course. Oh, my goodness. In the situation in LA last night when they were taking on the Suns, who up, Devin Booker seems to always be getting up into these tussles all of a sudden, tough guy. Um, But he totally (laughs) looks at this fight and just walks away. Yeah. Acknowledges the fight and walks away. And so fans, you know, people, analysts, players calling him out as they usually do with Lonzo, but I think that this time it's warranted in saying you don't walk away from your teammates.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously a skirmish happened as uh, the time the court was ending, and he, he saw it, and kept walking to the bench, as everyone else jumped into the situation, and I mean it wasn't a fight, it was a lot of basketball pushing and whatnot, yeah. but you gotta be there for your teammates, period. So, whether, even if you stand up and start jawing, like he walked away, went to the bench, coaches came from the bench to kind of <laughs> intervene, and Of course, it's a big microscope for him based a lot on his dad and how he's playing or or how he's not shooting the ball. But I think as a basketball player, as a teammate, you
0: need to be there.
1: Josh, is this some unwritten rule?
0: I'm not sure how popular he was in that locker room before of before this yeah. just based on the this attention and the spotlight and all the noise with his father. So yeah, this is not a great look. What's what's interesting about Lonzo Ball, of course, is that as good as he is, as good as he can be, what if he was playing in like Milwaukee or something and what if his father wasn't Lavar, We
1: wouldn't we, care. We wouldn't
0: care. We wouldn't be talking about no. him. And now it's like everything he does is just like we examine it under this like microscope of, OK, well, it was was this the right thing to do? Was this the wrong thing to do? Not playing in the fourth, not shooting the ball well. It, I mean, it, it's unfortunate for the player himself because. He didn't ask for any of this. He didn't ask. Well, I guess he did ask. To but he's not, the, to any, he's not stopping. He's not stopping
1: any of it, though.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's like even if he was in Milwaukee, we probably be talking about it right now. But you know, Milwaukee media would be talking about the fact that he walked away from that
0: situation. Would he? Or would they? Like, is it? That I big think enough? they would. I, I, yeah, I think it was. A, it was a fight in air quotes, and I think it's he, a big deal because it's Lonzo, isn't it? I think if
3: any player, regardless of the level you are, and there's a fight happening and you walk away. It's like, what's going on?
1: That's like when you don't reach to, to to pick someone up once they fall, and you just like, you're fine on your own.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think it's. A, I mean, and then his argument was that um, you know, there's not going to be a basketball fights or a real fights anyways, and I don't want to get a fine. I mean, like it doesn't. When people do that kind of stuff, they're not right? thinking about fines. They're thinking about their teammates, and I think that's why it's more telling. Well,
1: look at Beal and Draymond Green. Poor John Wall got an elbow to the head by his own teammate. <laughs> you jump in regardless.
3: Yeah, two players on his team got Maybe he didn't to want an elbow to the <laughs> face. Yes, no,
0: exactly. I, I honestly think if this is Brandon Ingram, we're not talking about this. I, I think we're talking about this. I think this is a story because it's Lonzo Ball. All
1: right, let's move on then because let's not give the people we shouldn't be talking about too sure. much attention. Steve Kerr says a lot. A lot of positives, but he said something to me that raised my eyebrow you, a little personally? bit. Not to me, just, just in general it. to the media, and, and, and you know, he it comes to, to the pipe. It, it spoke to me. <laughs> yeah. And he said the Celtics look like the future of the East. Are they better than the Raptors and the rest of the East? Was Conference he playing right with
0: now? his Rubik's Cube while, while he was cooking with the
1: Steve Kerr. Um, you know, and I think that.
0: He was buttering them up.
1: Yeah. But I don't think you do that when you're just about to go... I think you pay your respect, absolutely. But do you think that he gl- jumped over the Raptors?
3: Um, I think deservedly so, Brad Steven gets a lot of credit for what he's done as a coach in, in the NBA. And I think that respect is there from him from peer-to-peer. Peer. Obviously, they've done a good job of assembling a uh, cast of talent to play there. And we saw the game. I mean, that was probably the best game of the season. Yep. The Celtics are great defensively uh, and gave it to the, the top team in the league. So... Um, Was it a slight to the Raptors? I I think so far this season, the Boston Celtics have proved they're the top team in the East.
0: Yeah, and not just this season. They're uh, reigning conference finalists. The Raptors didn't make the conference finals last year, so they've got to get back there if they want to be in that conversation as Potentially one of the best teams, or the best team in the Eastern Conference for the seeable for the foreseeable future. The Celtics have earned that right, both in the way that they won last year, and then also the offseason additions mm-hmm. this year. Gordon Hayward will be back at some point uh, next season, um, and, and he'll just add to what they've already started to build with Kyrie and those young players. And the Raptors have young players too, but not, I, I don't think, to the caliber of Jay. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are high draft picks and can be uh, stars in this league, at least have a better chance, I think, of being stars in this league than some of those Raptors guys. So it's not a slight. I think there's I think there's some gamesmanship there. And right. we see Dwayne Casey do it, too. He often talks about how great the teams that are coming into the ACC are before mm-hmm. they play each other. Uh, Might have been some hyperbole there in terms of, well, it's not just that they're great, but they're the greatest. They're the
1: greatest, yeah. Yes,
0: but but uh, first of all, I think that they've earned a, a little bit of praise with the way that they're playing here. And second mm-hmm. of all, like I said, I, I think there's some gamesmanship there.
1: Well, and they still got a bag of chance in terms of assets to fool around with yes, should they yeah. need to. And I think that speaks to front office, obviously, and Danny Age and what he's been able to build. you know,
0: And the Brooklyn Nets. And the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets.
1: Those Brooklyn Nets. Here
0: we go. Take all of our picks. We don't want them. But
1: when you talk about sort of like polarizing teams and, you know, they had it well back in the day with the Russells and then you kind of fast forward it to like my time with like KG, Paul, Pierce, and, and you know... Is this a point where we could see the Celtics becoming that once again and finding that magic once again and it being around a guy like Kyrie Irving?
3: It's possible. It's I don't want to say – I kind of feel like it's too soon to tell. I mean, I really like what the Celtics are doing right now. I really mm-hmm. like how Kyrie's playing with these young guys. And you mentioned Tatum and Brown. They're like phenomenal young guys that are there. So I still think, like, this team is gelled way faster than anyone thought. Wait. They're playing really, really good. But it's still early. I'm not saying they're, they're going to falter, but – I'm kind of – I can't give it to them yet.
1: Right. Kyrie, gets, Kyrie gets a good coach, but I want those to you, Josh, as someone who coaches, setups the team meetings, and probably Me? – No, not you. LeBron James okay. and the Cavaliers <laughs> who have been stinking a funk – Are we going to be talking about this by the end of the season? Are they going to kind of pull a head bust on us and pump fake us like they have before in terms of where they are in their standings, and then they can totally make a run? Can you count against a team that has a LeBron James on them?
0: Well, What we saw yet again last night where they needed overtime and a massive game from LeBron James to win is if LeBron isn't playing 45-plus minutes and isn't... Uh, recording triple-doubles and scoring whatever it is, 39 points, 57 earlier this season, Uh, and they needed basically every one of them. If, If he's not doing that, they're in big trouble. And that's a problem in an 82-game season and even in the playoffs. We've seen LeBron do it before. But is he going to be able to do it, as superhuman as he is, is he going to be able to do it in May and in June if he's had to do it all year long? I remember Dwayne and I were just talking off the air about this. I remember this being an issue in Miami back a few years ago, or now a number of years ago, where people were concerned about the minutes he was playing in the workload. Load that he was carrying on both ends of the floor, but that Miami team, even with the aging Bosch and Wade, was better than this. Cleveland team is now LeBron had more help on that team mm-hmm. and he was younger people were concerned well he's entering his late 20s is he going to be able to keep right. this up well now he's in his 30s and he's dealing with a, a injury prone veteran supporting cast so hey,
1: Crowder I, isn't who he we all thought he might have been a great answer for this group
0: so I'm not sold on them I do I've said this before this is where I stand on Cleveland they are going to be the favorite in any Eastern Conference playoff off series simply because they have the best player on the planet, one that's proven that he can flip that switch at that time of the year, but uh, I don't see them finishing the season with the top record in the Eastern Conference, and I do think they are more vulnerable than any LeBron James team has been since his first stint in Cleveland. They are vulnerable. I mean, they
3: squeezed it a win against the Clippers who are 5-9. They squeezed it a win against the Knicks, the Hawks, (laughs) I mean, and this is with LeBron James playing major minutes, and we all know last year this is a guy who got to sit, you know, at his leisure. Um, they need him to win games, and you got to look at, like, you know, you mentioned Crowder not necessarily fitting in. They haven't figured out the balance with these guys. Derrick Rose has been hurt. Isaiah Thomas is coming back. When he comes, he's not a great defensive player. So you going
1: to have to shoot the ball.
3: Yeah, so <laughs> I'm really concerned about these Cavs um, in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. LeBron did you can't cut him up but he's going to have logged a lot of minutes this season and that's a concern
0: and and that's why there's value going back to the the dilemma for the Raptors in the summer that's why there's value in being a competitive team right now in the Eastern Conference because you don't know what's going to happen the Cavaliers are a big time wild card right now not just for this season where we don't know what's going to happen but certainly next season if LeBron does leave and if he does decide to go uh, west Mm -hmm. as a free agent over the offseason, all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, Boston could be the team of the future in the East, but certainly if you're a team like the Raptors, I think you'd rather be chasing a Boston, a young team with a more... A vulnerable superstar in Kyrie Irving than a superstar in LeBron James with Cleveland. They're not that threatening or they're not as threatening as Cleveland was. So, yeah, I mean, the Raptors, they they might not be in the position that the Celtics are in, but they're in a pretty good spot right now looking forward, especially with the young talent that they have.
1: From Cleveland to Halifax, that's where we'll go next as Canada Basketball's President and CEO, Michelle O'Keefe, joins us. You're listening to Home Court on TSN 1050 Toronto.
0: This is Home Court on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto basketball.
1: Welcome back to Home Court on TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Kayla Gray and joining me is Dwayne Watson and Josh Lewenberg. And on the line, Canada Basketball's President and CEO, Michelle O'Keefe. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Well, we caught up last week, RJ Barrett, obviously deciding that he will commit to go to Duke, um, you know. And, you know, you talk about the kid that he is and, and how far this Canada Basketball program what kind of player does Duke get? I'm sorry. Can you say that again? Well, you know, we call What kind of
4: player do we get? Yeah.
1: Like what, what kind of player are we going to see in terms of what Duke gets in their arsenal and and the maturity that he brings, the family support that he brings that you've seen at such a young age and, and him now making this decision and in the next step in his career.
4: Yeah. RJ is a solid young man. He's, you know, he does really well in school. He's on the honor roll ahead of school, and he speaks French, and, and he's he can look an adult in the eye and a firm handshake, and and he's a solid citizen. And on top of that, he can play a little ball.
3: Michelle, obviously qualifying is happening shortly for World Cup. In Halifax, uh, the roster has been announced. Um, you've seen the program evolve over time. And now what does it say now that at one point you had a problem where guys wouldn't come back to compete for Canada. But you have guys from you know around the world coming back to compete in Halifax. What does that say about the development of the program?
4: You know what? I think it's a great statement for our program. I think that our, our athletes on our men's side and our women's side, just all our Canadian basketball athletes are tremendous people. Uh, they love their country and they love their sport. We try to make sure that they all have a great experience when they're playing for their country and therefore they want to come back. So it does say a lot uh, for the program and for the system that they came through, and they 're all willing to take this break in November and, and travel to Halifax and then the Dominican to play two games in this opening weekend so I think it 's a great testament that we're not only are they willing to play, but the athletes are are such a a good bunch of people, and again, they can all play basketball, so our, our program has a great depth to it that we haven 't seen ever before.
0: Michelle, can you take us through? Uh, the changes to this qualifying format and some of the challenges that it may have uh, presented while putting together the 12-man roster that you guys announced yesterday?
4: Um, I'll give you the challenges and then I'll give you the the. Positives, which I think uh, outweigh the challenges. So the challenge, obviously, is that it's in the middle. Th- these breaks are in the middle of everybody's season. So, are they going to be able to come and play? Are their clubs going to release them? Are they um, are they fit to play? How will this affect their them physically? Um, so we're trying to make sure that we take care of all those things with our our science staff and making sure that the athletes get the uh, the appropriate treatment that they need along the way um i think it's another challenge is it's um it's costly to host in canada uh we're an expensive country um i think we're a, a beautiful country but it's we're not necessarily uh it, it's it's a challenge now on the positive side which i think far outweighs this is we have great support from our government and our sport Canada and the federal government, the provincial governments, municipal governments, and they all want to host and they want to see these international basketball games come to their communities. So we've had a tremendous opportunity um, for this first game in Halifax. We've had uh, great support from all levels of government and our local organizing committees. You guys know Halifax is a great community for basketball, mm-hmm. having hosted the U Sport Nationals for so long. Um, one of our, our business plan pillars is hosting meaningful games and hosting official events. So this is this is kicking off for us what our, our plans are moving forward, and we've got this game uh, next Friday. Then we've got two games away in february and we have two games back home in june july and then in june we also have the u18 fiba america's championships for boys so i think what it does josh is it gives us this opportunity to play meaningful games at home which is to me you've got to have the role models that's the beauty of the toronto raptors and and their schedule is they're they're becoming amazing role models for young canadians who want to play basketball and now with these games that we're able to to schedule at home i think we just give everybody more canadian role models to to look up to president and ceo of canada basketball joining
1: us on the line is michelle o'keefe and michelle you know you look at this roster and although there were limitations as you mentioned uh... the this calendar falling in, the, in between you know seasons that are still underway you're looking at the scrub brothers on there that have been you know carlton sort of golden boys to say and, uh, and other names on there but <laughs> You talk about the positive in terms of highlighting other players that we should be keeping an eye on. Other players are, that are still doing it big, whether it's a, a, uh, you know in Europe, whether it's here in the in, in the D- G League. Um, can you talk about how how that has really helped in terms of being a benefit for fans across Canada to get familiar with names that we that
4: we wouldn't really know? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great point. Um, everyone wants to pay attention to the NBA players for obvious reasons, but we have a great depth of our athletes who are really strong and, you know, they're not just role players on their teams anymore. They are strong players. Like we're talking Xavier Wraith and Mays in the G league and Olivier Hamlin in the G league and, Brady Heslop, who Brady Heslop who is playing in Turkey and coming back as you mentioned the scrub brothers and there's there's just a depth to the quality of their uh, of the athleticism that we have and the, so, again the solid citizens that love their country and want to play and the beauty is they are key players on their rosters, which is great for our from our perspective I mean I can understand why the club teams might be reluctant to let them play but they they are playing significant roles on their club teams
0: michelle we talk about the players but this new format has also opened up uh, an opportunity for coach roy rana what what has roy meant to your program over the years
4: you know roy is a solid guy he's he's been such a, a critical family member in our coaching family and he, uh, he obviously won a gold medal for us, our first gold medal at the FIBA U19s this past summer. And so it was the natural progression for him to move up to the senior staff. And you're right. Uh, Jay Triano our head coach and, and he's not available during the, the November and February windows. So, uh, we had to rejig our coaching staff, but we're very confident in Roy and, and the staff that we've put together. Uh, Roy, Roy takes these things very seriously, he prepares very well, he's been reviewing game film for a while and the analytics stuff and recruiting the athletes, so I think we're in good hands with Coach Rana.
3: You talked to previously about players from international players in Europe being a part of this team and you know, one thing in the past is that some of the Canadian players have lacked the FIBA experience of playing internationally, but how does that experience of them playing overseas, playing the FIBA game, help them going to these qualifiers now?
4: Oh it's great. I mean, it's it's amazing how more similar the uh, FIBA game and the NBA games are now. The rules are are getting a little closer every year. Uh so it it's great. They've the guys who are playing in Europe just have a natural um a natural way about the FIBA game, obviously, and, and even with the NBA or the G League guys, the, the rules aren't all that different anymore. So I don't think that's as much as an, of an issue as it used to be. And our high schoolers are playing the FIBA rules now, or a version of the FIBA rules. So I think we've, we've taken some huge strides on that, on that side.
1: Now, I want to talk to you about big picture and sort of next steps. And are are there any places in mind that really maybe you might not have touched in that that are on the list that 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 fans can expect to see Canada basketball being played in their backyard?
4: Um, Yeah, you know, next June is going to be a crazy month for us. I mean, mostly in Ontario at this point. Uh, as I said, we have the U18 FIBA Americas Championships for Boys in St. Catharines, mm-hmm. uh, June 10th to 16th. And I'm just down here this weekend down in Niagara having meetings and, and setting things up. And I think it's going to be a spectacular weekend of competi- or week of competition. But we're also building in other pieces to it. So there'll be a three-on-three Canada Quest event uh, that will qualify a team for the national championships and there will be, um, a coach school that we're able to leverage the international coaches who are coming to Canada to, to compete. Uh, we're pretty sure there'll be some scouts around, so I'm sure we'll tap some of them on the shoulder so the local coaches down here can have a taste of some international basketball. Um, and then like two weeks, three weeks later, our senior men are playing again. Um, So next June in 2018, it's going to be a busy month.
3: I know we spent a lot of time talking about the men's qualifications, but uh, I was talking about the women's program who obviously did have a chance in 2015 to clinch uh, an opportunity to play in the World Championships on Canadian Soul in Edmonton. But the women's program, obviously a top five program in the league. Can you speak about their success of late?
4: Yeah, the women have made some huge strides, uh, not only on the, in the quality of the athletes and the success of the team, but in the consistency of it all. Um, we always talk about the depth on the, on the men's side, but the women's depth is just as strong with, uh, with Leticia Amaher and, and Bridget Carlton coming up through the ranks and starting to knock on the doors of the senior team. Uh, you know, everyone's gonna have a chance to see Kia Nurse play with her Connecticut team in Toronto on December 22nd, but, The team, the program as a whole has just progressed so nicely. Um, Our our age group boys are ranked third in the world and our age group girls are ranked fourth in the world. I think next to the U.S. and probably Spain and France, we're the most consistent country in the world. And I think that's a huge testament to the people who are committed to developing our athletes. It's a, a testament to the commitment of our athletes to get better. And the fact that they have more opportunities to develop and show their stuff is just incredible. And I think it's shown off in spades, both on the boys' and the women's side.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us. And, you know, all eyes will be on this Friday, the 24th, as Halifax hosts Canada's first FIBA World Cup qualifying game. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Michelle.
1: Thanks, guys. And there you have it. Home court rolls on on TSN 1050 Toronto. Home court continues final quarter. What? You you got something to say? Are are you ruining my my re-intro?
0: Sorry, I was a little excited.
1: That was the voice of Dwayne Watson. I'm Kayla Gray. Josh Lundberg's polite.
0: But also excited for the final segment of (laughs) (laughs) Home
1: Court. All right, well, we should probably update you guys on what we've asked you to be voting on all show long. 334 of you did vote, and OG Ananobi won 50% of the injuries that, that the team has faced, which Raptor has stepped up the most, and that going to OG with the OG shorts and tights.
3: Hey, well-deserved. No real wrong answer there, but OG is no, definitely a wise choice.
1: That was a pretty easy poll, guys.
3: Hey. Thanks to our producer, Lindsay Dunn.
1: Yes, Lindsay. Shout out to her. All right, what do you guys think? Wizards, Raptors tomorrow? Can the Raptors get it done? Fourth, now that we know that John Wall might not be in the line. the
0: the Raptors couldn't possibly (laughs) lose to a Wizards team without John (laughs) Wall, right? Without John Wall. That would be be unheard of. At home? Oh, wait, it already happened. So... Yeah, well, we'll see. I No, I mean, Kyle, though. As tough as the Raptors' schedule has been this mm-hmm. year so far, and we've talked about it, it's been very tough, the Raptors have been fortunate to uh, see some of these great teams at a time in which they've been missing some of their best players. San Antonio, without mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, uh, no John Wall in the first Washington meeting, perhaps no John Wall in the second Washington meeting, uh, and no Kyrie against Boston, yet... They've lost all of those games so far.
3: You know, it wasn't that long ago, but this is a different Raptors team from the, since that loss, I feel. and like, yeah. They've only lost one game in that stretch, which is, which is the Boston Celtics, which we know who mm-hmm. they are. So even if there is no John Wall, I don't think the team is going to have the same approach going into that game. Um... With Joe, uh, with Wizards,
0: it's a trend that we've seen oddly over the last few years, as well as you're you're facing a team, whether good, bad, whatever, that's missing a player, and it's almost like you take them lightly or Mm -hmm. you play down to that team. Why is that? I'm wondering.
3: But they did that with Houston, the Pelicans, the Knicks.
0: They weren't missing guys. Yeah, I mean. I think This is something we've seen now Raptor- over the last few years where it's like, right. oh, okay, well, this team is missing their best players. It's so, this is the, the hashtag AD's-
1: Raptors way. But, but
3: the next game, they could have looked ahead of the Washington the Wizards and saying, oh, it's only the Knicks. Yeah. So, And they really came out and did what they're supposed to do. So, I'm, I'm on the side of positive. Uh-huh. I'm just in a positive energy.
1: Well, it's November 18th. You know, I love this time of year Santa Claus parade. But the weather.
3: It's Weather's trash. Drag.
1: But Christmas is right around the corner. Okay. And the Advent cal- 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 calendars.
3: What are you getting us for Christmas, Kayla? If you'd like the opportunity to kind of come back and join us, you have to take a lump of
1: coal for you, doing For for, for cutting me off in my intro. Thank you so much. But when you look at advent calendars and sort of you pick day one, it's a nice gift. What would you choose for the Raptors in their day one? What would their chocolate be? Defense?
3: If I'm giving them something? Uh, Yeah. I'm giving them some rebounds. (laughs) I mean, so that's, that, that's I'm giving that you some today. boards for Christmas. Yeah, look, if you, I can gift you guys anything. Um, rebounds.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I want to give Delon Wright a Christmas, an early Christmas gift yes. right now, and that's good health. I, I feel bad for the kid. He, he is, first of all, he's an easy guy to root for. Uh, he he's uh, always an upbeat. Positive, like Dwayne Watson type of guy, and, and like Dwayne Watson, he works tremendously hard. I'm just buttering you up today. He,
3: better than the cologoff. Okay, Taylor, ser- ser- <laughs> ser-
0: serious face here because I like Delon. Delon works tremendously hard. He's put in mm-hmm. uh, a ton of time to uh, expand his game over the last few years, and now he's finally getting that opportunity after waiting for it uh, as the third point guard the last two seasons. So it it just sucks to see him go down this way with an injury, of course, he's had before, one that can linger. These shoulder um, injuries are problematic. So fingers crossed here as he goes to visit uh, the specialist in New York next week. I'll say that going to see a doctor at the hospital of special Surgery doesn't sound especially good it's no. like they couldn't have sent him to the hospital of, of
1: like New Ra- York where I was born where Ra- we-
0: <laughs> hospital of rainbows and gummy bears or something that would have been that would have sounded a lot better but ho- hopefully uh, he's okay and doesn't mm-hmm. have to miss a, a, a lot of time here uh, and the second gift I'm giving to the Raptors is also a healthy and a focused, locked-in Serge Ibaka. Because as we've seen, not only does he need to be healthy, but uh, like a lot of players, he's a whole lot better when he's Mm -hmm. trying.
1: (laughs) Well, it seemed as though heading into the season, it was Serge, it was Lowry, it was Drozen as like the top, the big three in Toronto. Has Jonas slowly butted his way back into that picture?
3: Uh, I don't think so. Uh, And that's not a knock on Jonas. I think he's solid. I I just don't think he's on the level of like, you know, when Serge is on... He's, he's at league level. And not that J.B. can't be on like that, because sometimes it's predicated on different things. But I also want to give some chocolate to Coach Casey. I mean, yeah. he's you know, always been the fans, the media. He's kind of had his fair yeah. share of criticism. Uh, he's done a great job with this team so far in this season, implementing a new offense and dealing with a number of injuries. So kudos to him. Does he eat chocolate? Probably not.
1: Stuff some in his pants.
3: <laughs> what <laughs> I, I, i'm waiting for her to transition out of this one
1: <laughs> no i'm gonna just leave it there yeah yeah i should
3: <laughs> that was the show's turning point josh
1: that was Da-na-na. that's when Da-na-na. things just went all the way downhill yeah. well if you bring them for your bench you don't pull them i think that one thing that um one of the reporters is, has said is you know how confident players are when they're out there and they're the second unit and they're you know if they're either a call-up's they don't, they're not afraid to make mistakes because Coach is there to sort of like leave them out there. And and he's not one of those guys where he's just going to pull you the minute you mess up.
0: So he's giving the chocolate to somebody He's else.
1: giving the chocolate no, to somebody right else. Which, which, That's where I was which, going.
0: Which Raptor do you think has the biggest sweet tooth? Ooh. who eats the most. Now, I remember when when Lowry lost all that weight back a few years ago, right. he talked about cutting out the golden Oreos after the games. And those things are good. That's not easy to do. Kudos to Kyle so Lowry good. for being disciplined because mm. I'm not turning down golden right. Oreos. Uh,
1: I think OG... Mm, uh,
0: Og uh. doesn't seem like a guy that likes fun. He, to yeah, me he doesn't so enjoy much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he has fun. He has fun not saying much. You you can see it in the, his eyes that he, he loves. He chows down
0: way. I like, like the marshmallows Pascal. 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 I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Bebe. Oh, baby. Bebe's got a yeah. sweet tooth. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe that's in next week's poll, or not next week the following week after that because you have your CFL playoffs um, where you can hear home court. Maybe that's a, a, a poll for that. I'll, for I'll that ask game. around.
0: I'll ask around uh-huh. tomorrow. So reconnaissance. Yes. I'll see who has some Christmas, Clark bars in their locker. <laughs>
1: Christmas special with J. Lou.
0: Do <laughs> people eat, still eat Clark bars? Is that a thing? No. No, no, not.
1: no. no. All right, coming up next, the Dark Guy and Tachi Pyro Show. From 3 to 5, Leafs talk all the way through. You're listening to home court. And thanks for listening on TSN 1050 and on the iHeart Radio app.